Hello, and welcome to Psychotherapy with Dr. Afia. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the relationship between our hair, our health, and our heritage. For my third season, I'm sitting on the couch with influential psychologists, and I'd love to invite you to listen in as we explore the significance of mental health, the important relationship between psychologists and our communities, why culturally informed wellness is important to us, and even some common myths about our work. In this episode, I am honored to have a current leader in the Association of Black Psychologists, Dr. Huberta Jackson Lohman. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of a bio so you can have all the info too about how great she is. So Dr. Jackson Lohman received a Master's of Art in Clinical Experimental Psychology from Wichita State and her doctorate in Clinical Psychology from the University of Pittsburgh. After completing her PhD, she was awarded a postdoctorate at the University of Pittsburgh. Her postdoctoral experience with Right Start, now Center for Family Excellence, involved co-directing the implementation of a rotating parenting lab in several black neighborhoods in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So Dr. Jackson Lohman is a past chair from 2005 to 2011 of the Department of Psychology at FAMU, a Fulbright Hayes Scholar and editor of the anthology African American Women, living at the crossroads of race, gender, class, and culture that came out in 2014, but there is a new edition. And so her postdoctoral career has consisted of roles in both the private and public sectors, including serving as the director of the Mayor's Commission on Families, an initiative focused on reducing the high black infant mortality rate in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and serving as co-director of the Institute of the Black Family. Currently, she serves as the president of the National Association of Black Psychologists, starting in 2017 and ending... 2019. 2019. So this is this is um, active, and we're at the conference right now. So she is certified through the Association of Black Psychologists as a diplomat and fellow in African-centered psychology. She has also served on a variety of nonprofit boards, including most recently the Leon County Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. For the past eight years, she has led the implementation of Community Healing Days in Tallahassee a national initiative of the Community Healing Network that focuses on defying the lie of Black inferiority. She has also been instrumental in the training of trainers for Emotional Emancipation Circles, also known as EECs, in the greater Tallahassee community. She engages in consulting and training with nonprofits and schools, primarily addressing issues concerning Black women and girls, including the impact of trauma on the lives of black women and girls, cultural strategies for socializing black children, and the role of root shock as as a trauma that has disrupted the functioning of black neighborhoods and families. You're doing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I'll let you do the rest. I guess I really want to welcome you to my show. But also, I do want to get information that's not on your bio in terms of how did you decide that you would become a psychologist? Well, that's actually um, wasn't that difficult for me because really? uh, I, I took a course in high school, a psychology course. And after that, that was it. Hmm. I decided that that was the area that I wanted to go in. 
And so, but I'd always had this interest in understanding people. And so prior to that, it was more dealing with things like astrology. And so I was kind of delving into astrology then and those kinds of things. And so when psychology, when I became aware that there was such a thing as psychology, (laughs) I uh, said, well, this is the field that I'm going into. And I never changed my mind. I mean, undergraduate, I was psychology all the way through graduate school. I was was free dentistry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so it wasn't a difficult choice for me. I always had this deep desire to not only understand myself, but to understand my family. Mm. And so I was just trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it really gave you a tool or perspective to understand yourself and even the family that that created you. Yes. Okay, I'm getting it. And then you infuse that into your research. Yes. So how did you end up focusing on black families, girls, and women? Well, again, I in graduate school, um, one of the things when I got into the doctoral program that I was realizing is that it didn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, this, this, this doesn't work. It doesn't apply to me. I mean, I, this doesn't have anything to do with me. And so one, what I started to do was to go over to the um, African Studies Department at the University of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I would just go there and sit in the classes, I mean, because I was like, I, I need to find something that connects with me. And uh, I really enjoyed that and began to get a deeper appreciation for what it meant to be a person of African ancestry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I um, also was realizing, too, that women were being left out of the picture. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, myself and three other uh, colleagues of mine who were also students in the program, we came together at that time many years ago, and um, we decided that we were going to create a course on the psychology of black women. Wow. And so we actually created the first course at the University of Pittsburgh uh, on the psychology of black women, and um, we formed a consulting group, and we would go around doing trainings and workshops and things of that sort, um, addressing issues around black women. And so that was how I got my start mm-hmm. with that. And at some point, we all kind of went our separate directions. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I continued to kind of maintain my interests. Mm-hmm. And I always had in the back of my mind that we need a book. The first book that I used in my psychology and black women class was a book by La Frances Rogers Rose. Mm-hmm. And so I credit her, actually, with um, inspiring me to want to at least begin to develop something that I could begin to use in my classes that I teach on the psychology of black women. So this is deep. So you had leading this initiative actually led you to creating a book on the topic so that you could further teach this information. But I am curious, and especially for the listeners, how would you summarize, if possible, the psychology of black women? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is challenging. But, uh, again, I was uh, inspired, actually, by um, the work of Franz Fanon mm-hmm. and um, his, uh, his emphasis on the importance of people who are oppressed and black women when we look at you know, this whole notion of intersectionality. Mm-hmm. And so we are black. 
we are female. Um, many times, many of us, at least 33% of us, this is what the statistics tell us, are would be classified as poor and probably more. Mm-hmm. And, and then there are issues around sexual orientation. Uh, so these are all identities that are actually considered oppressed. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about the importance of um, people who are oppressed being able to address at least three questions. Mm-hmm. And the question of who are we, identity, are we all, we think we are, authenticity, are we all we ought to be, purpose. And I felt that those questions for me were very guiding questions in terms of how I could bring together the information uh, that would be necessary for us to begin to appreciate who Mm -hmm. we are as black women. Uh, I believe that we have to have a psychohistorical context. Mm -hmm. We can't just um, start from where we are now and expect to understand the experiences of black women and how it is that we approach the world. So Mm -hmm. that was really what guided me. Mm -hmm. Wow. So really applying these existing psychological and even psychiatric theories to understand the complexities and intersectionality of being a black woman. We're complex. Yes, we are. So (laughs) needing multiple paradigms to really understand this work. And so in doing some of your clinical work, what would you say are major concerns that black women and black families bring into therapy? Oh, that's, that's an interesting and challenging question, actually. Uh, let me approach it this way. Um, I, actually, I, I was in private practice. I'm no longer in private practice. But in my classes, one of the things that I would often see when we started to talk about the psychological experiences of black women uh, is that we would be very talkative until we got to the topic of concepts of beauty. Hmm. And then there would be this silence you know, from people who had always had more than, <laughs> you know, <laughs> more than we had time to, 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 to say. And um, it was like we had this deep pain mm-hmm. around the issue of beauty and our physical attractiveness. Mm-hmm. And so these, these are the bodies that we have to walk around in every day, mm-hmm. everything. And so that became also um, a very important issue to begin to unpack you know, to understand, you know, what is it that's going on with us, that we have such a deep sense of shame mm-hmm. uh, and pain. And uh, I think there have been some breakthroughs, actually, over the years, but this is still something that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to uh, constantly affirm uh, our beauty. And, uh, and not that physical beauty is uh, any indication of what's really on the inside, Uh, But uh, a lot of times that's how we're judged. Mm -hmm. That is how we're valued in this society. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we do need to have some appreciation of the bodies that we live in. And then we also have to have an understanding that the uh, way that beauty gets defined in this society is very superficial, mm-hmm. and that that is not necessarily the way we would define beauty from an African perspective, mm-hmm. and that it has more to do with character. It has more to do with the kinds of contributions that people are making in their community. And so um, we have a proverb that says, and I think it's sometimes missing misinterpret, at least in my opinion, misinterpreted, uh, the beauty is as beauty does. 
that it is really what you are doing, your behavior, your character, that those are the things that really uh, are our, should be used as criteria for evaluating our beauty, our worth, our value. That's deep. The ancestors know these things. Yeah, and I think that really connects to my work yes, in terms of really yeah. using hair as yes. an entry point into mental health services, recognizing that there's some cognitive dissonance, trauma, even yes. in that area. And so I do want to ask about your hair and hair experience. Um, so I see that you have locks and an updo. But I'm curious, what has your hair journey looked like in your life? Oh, yes, that was a challenging journey, believe me. Um, one of the stories that I tell my students when we begin to talk about this topic is that I remember when I was in high school, many, 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 many years ago, <laughs> but we were required to take swimming. Mm-hmm. And swimming was a requirement in order to graduate. Mm-hmm. And so this was just shortly after desegregation and busing and all that. So, you know, it was uh, I was attending this quote-unquote desegregated school. Really? And I could remember in the swimming classes, we would come into our swimming classes, and all the black girls, we'd have all these plastic bags, and we'd be wrapping <laughs> our hair and, uh, with plastic bags, and then we'd pull our swimming cap over our head, and then we'd get into the pool, and we'd try to swim with our heads above <laughs> Oh, it was such a... <laughs> but it would never keep it dry. That's and, the and it, did not. it would always get wet around the edges. Yes, and it always got wet. And then we would come out of the pool, and I just remember this, this kind of sense of shame, mm-hmm. experiencing a sense of shame in relationship to the fact that my hair had gone back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could remember also, um, uh, in the beginning years of college, before I got my natural, going um, to parties, and I loved to dance. <laughs> And I would dance, my hair would sweat and go back. And it would be like I was Cinderella or something. I'd have to leave before midnight so that nobody would see me uh, with my hair all going back. And so it was really um, very, very challenging. So it was actually, for me, part of my own therapy that I had to, I, I realized at some point it was like, you know, you can't continue to have this sense of shame, this sense of insecurity and inadequacy in relationship to something that's a natural part of who you are. Mm. And so um, naturals were coming out, and so it gave me the courage to go ahead and go natural. And then, now, that wasn't an easy choice mm. because my mother wasn't necessarily for this. Uh, oh. uh, she wasn't for that. And but she did change her uh, perspective about that later, and she actually got one or so. <laughs> um, so then I just you know had to just buck up, you know, kind of a thing, and and go ahead and start wearing my natural. Mm-hmm. And gradually, I began to feel comfortable with that. And, and actually, the same thing occurred in relationship to locking my hair. Because I just wasn't sure, because basically what I had to do when I locked my hair, then I had to basically cut it off, and it was short, and I had these little locks in it, and I was feeling a little bit self-conscious mm-hmm. about it. And we have uh, some attitudes uh, also about short hair. Mm-hmm. And so, and people didn't necessarily appreciate that part of the process mm-hmm. in terms of moving towards uh uh, the locks, mm-hmm. um, but you know it grows out very quickly, and you know, then it's fine. <laughs> How long have you had locks? Have been growing your uh, Actually, now it's been. I, I go by my grandson um, <laughs> because it was around the time that he was born, so he's fourteen. So it's been about fourteen, fifteen wow. years. Okay, that that's a committed lock journey, right yes, there. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's interesting how that even is a time marker in terms of your grandmotherhood <laughs> <Yes>. uh-huh. <laughs> delineating that status right. into that, that next level right. of beauty. Yes. Um, that's deep. Yeah, th- this is really interesting in terms of how you've been able to merge your work on black families, black women, and even hair and understanding beauty and using these existing um, theories to explain things that hadn't been explained before that are very unique to our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm mindful, too, that you're working on tons of projects uh, and are a very busy person. That's why I'm so excited to have you in the space. But what do some of the listeners need to know about the projects you're working on? And Well, one of the projects that I'm working on is uh, something that I've been involved in uh, in Tallahassee, Florida for the past now eight years. Uh, we will be celebrating the eighth uh, year of Community Healing Days. Mm-hmm. And this is actually an initiative that was developed by Community Healing Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when Maya Angelou was on the board, she inspired this. And so... Um, uh, through her inspiration, they uh, created Community Healing Days as a time to put healing on the agenda of mm. people of African ancestry. And the focus of it actually is uh, to help us to become aware of how this myth of black inferiority has harmed us mm-hmm. and to begin to recognize how, to some extent, we have internalized that and begin to debunk that mm-hmm. through increasing our own knowledge and understanding of who we are as people of African mm-hmm. ancestry. So we have been for the past, as this is the eighth year, as I said, uh, holding it as the third weekend of October. Uh, it's a three-day event. Uh, we start with some consciousness-raising activities, and we've done a variety of different things. We've had, had uh, excerpts from plays. We've had uh, spoken word artists. We've had films. We've done um, uh, all kinds of activities uh, on that first day, the Friday, the mm-hmm. consciousness-raising uh, day. Uh, where we try to help people to understand how this myth has affected us. Mm. And then on Saturday, we focus on um, the physical, mental health aspects of this. And so we'll have yoga, we have Tai Chi, we have um, some uh, Afro-Cuban, Afro-Caribbean Zumba, Uh, we have African (laughs) dance, um, and uh, then we'll have various workshops in the afternoon financial literacy, mental health workshops, uh, meditation, community healing circle. And then typically in the evenings, we'll do a community um, talk back. Mm. And it's a discussion about some current issue or something of that sort. Uh, On Sunday, we focus on um, community building and dealing with issues around spirituality. We invite people to share their their gifts, their artistic gifts. Mm singing, dancing, poetry, whatever it is that they have to share. Uh, we often uh, we give awards out to children for essay competitions. We have a particular theme, and, and the children uh, will submit essays, and we will give them awards. So we will be doing that again this year, our eighth year for doing this, yeah. and uh, it will be October the 18th through the 20th in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, also, I'm a um, faculty member, as you know, at Florida A&M University, And so this will be our 10th year uh, for the African Black Psychology Conference. And this is a very unique conference because what it does is to honor those uh, uh, distinguished African psychologists. 
And so we've been doing them, as I said, for 10 years. We honored, the first year we actually honored Kobe Cambon. <laughs> and uh, we will be honoring him again this year. Mm. He made his transition this past year. Mm. And so we are honoring him in the 10th year, which we thought was kind of significant. Uh, but we've honored um, not only him, but also Amos Wilson, mm. uh, Bobby Wright, Francis Cress Welsing, Nzinga Warfield Coppock, Linda James Myers. Uh, who am I forgetting? I was there the year that you honored Dr. Um, Asa Hilliard. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. Asa Hilliard. How mm-hmm. can I forget him? Asa Hilliard. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we are highlighting their work. Mm-hmm. And we invite uh, people to present papers that address some of the uh, uh, their ideas, their theories, and how they are using them or how they have expanded upon them. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be actually November the 8th through the 9th okay. at Florida a- A&M University. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm just thinking about how all of this is so intergenerational, you know, intergenerational cultural transmission in terms of how do we bring some of this work of these great black psychologists to this new generation of students. And at FAMU, the students are very energized and motivated, so I know they're really taking it and going forward, and especially the Tallahassee community, I know is very strong and committed, Mm -hmm. like you, um, (laughs) in terms of you really taking a leadership role. So I'm just so grateful that you are committed to doing this work. You brought it way back to how long you've been doing this and really staying on um, the case to uplift the race and specifically black women and families. So I appreciate you and have so much gratitude towards you as a leader of Association of Black Psychologists and all the work that you've done there and just your continued commitment to to doing the work. Um, How do people get into contact with you? Is there like a website or email or if somebody wanted to reach out to you how would they contact you? Uh, I don't have a website (laughs) yeah I gotta catch up to that Um, but um, they can reach me uh, at Florida A&M University uh, in the Department of Psychology I can't give you an email address I know people can remember all this Um, but um, uh, the email address for uh, Florida A&M University and also, we have a website, mm-hmm. so just simply go to www.famu.edu front slash psychology, and you can find that information. That's probably the easiest way okay. uh, to reach me. <laughs> Good. All right. And as always, um, if you enjoyed this episode and want to share it, um, please do so if you know someone who's interested in studying black womanhood, African womanhood, spirituality, beauty, all the topics we discuss, please share it with them. And you can follow the latest psychotherapy information through our website, psychotherapy.org and Instagram at psychotherapy. And in closing, let's remember that a path to healthy hair is having strong roots. Ashay.